Yeah, that, that's like for real. I love you guys. And I'm so glad that you're here. We're going to open scripture. We're going to read together. Um, and when we do that, we're going to jump into life conversations. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to focus on one verse. That's a verse. Love does not insist on its own way. Um, but we are going to do it two Sundays. So this Sunday I'm starting and I'm going to wrap it up uh, next Sunday on thoughts around that. Um, would you please stand as we read God's word? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a nosy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for you are good. Help us listen and hear your voice this morning. Even when there's so much that's going on in our lives, and sometimes we can feel a little bit overwhelmed. I pray that this morning we'll be reminded of how good, how kind, and how loving you are to us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you that we can be here and trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please uh, take a seat. There must be more to love than what we have created it to be. There must be, there must be, there must be more to love than what we have made love to be. The verse we've just read, love does not insist on its own way. In a lot of ways, it's very countercultural. Because if you are like me, love is about getting your way. Love is about getting what you want. Love is about self-expression. Love is about defining who you are and finding who you are and pursuing whatever who you are wants. But somehow you come to scripture, scripture just says, love does not insist in its own way. To an extent, I'll challenge that in our generation, love not insisting its own way sounds boring. Sounds like, what, what then is love? What then is love? Now, when you open scripture, scripture says a little. For those of you that got married, or those of you that are, have someone, or those of you that are looking for someone, the scripture says a little bit less on how to find someone. Scripture talks so much about who you should be to be that someone. But when we look at our culture, we have set up our minds, our hearts, and our desires and created goals and ambitions that are just simply about, I'm going to find someone and that someone will be perfect. That someone will be amazing. That someone will be awesome. I actually believe that for a lot of us, we are reformed or Calvinistic. Presbyterian or Baptist, but we turn Pentecostal when it comes to finding someone we want to marry. It's like we ignore God's voice for anything, any other way. We ignore God's word, but when it comes to a relationship, that's when we want to hear from God. You know what I mean? Like, God, just speak. Hallelujah. Speak to me. But when we open the Bible, the fact is still that you don't find God continuing that. Hey, you're going to find someone here or there. God just sits on who you're supposed to be. And that's where I want to sit today. That's where I want to spend a little bit of our time. Because our reality is we insist our own way because we are afraid. And a lot of times we don't know what we're even afraid of. We are so afraid that we've built habits 
to run away from fear, but we're not sure the fear that we are running from, what that fear is. But for some of us, we have described what that fear is. We grew up in a very broken family, so we didn't see anything good. And we're afraid we might end up like our dads. Come on. We're afraid that we might just be like our mom. Who stays and complains all the time about how horrible your dad is. And you're like, mom, why are you still here? So it confuses you. Or you might be like your dad, who's literally never home. Not even there for your mother. And you're like, man, I don't want to. I don't want that. I want to be different. We're afraid. And today I'm going to sit a little bit on that. But it's going to be more around individualism and consumerism. And I'll explain those in a little bit. Because the, world, the way this world has been built for us is a lot of us, we just fear missing out stuff. We fear missing out. And the thing with fearing missing out is you're not sure if you actually want or need the actual thing you're missing out. So everything in your life is a need. And, and the danger is the actual things you need are actual needs. But life has gotten a little bit more complicated. It's complex. That even things we could have lived without, like a phone 20 years ago, feels like it's a really deep need. I can't live without my phone. Like, oh, my God. The first thing you do in the morning is your phone. Not any other thing. Like, that's, that's your thing. The first thing you do with your life is your stuff. We're afraid. A lot of us, we want control. Because that's the best thing we can. But we don't know that the only things we can actually control, maybe our actions, but also stuff like TVs and drones, you know what I mean? But not people. So we get in relationships with the desire to control people and it's exhausting it's painful a lot of us we in those places we're trying to control someone right now and they just can't change i've been praying i'm like we have a list of the things we have tried and dude you can only control drones man like you got that remote enjoy have fun go outside go check out michiru hike and do all the things you need but but we want control but as craig grosher once said you can do less with your control but God can do more with your surrender. Like God can do so much with your surrender. And you definitely do less than what God is able to do. We insist our own way because the world is chaotic. It's chaos. And sometimes if people don't do certain things your way, it's not going to end well. So life has been hard. Relationships have been hard. So you create, not just guardrails, you create all these things that are like systems, that are like the way I'm only going to date, the way I'm only going to be in marriage, the way I'm only going to be in business, the way I'm going to... And a lot of those things have less to do with people and everything to do with protecting your stuff, protecting your ambitions. We are afraid, we have control, we live in a chaotic place. Another thing is we are very individualistic. Now, if you, man, it's a party out there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just like, oh my God, what am I doing up here? What am I doing up here? You know, I grew up in Blanta. I was born in Longo. I grew up here. And I grew up in a hood that our parents worked for the same institution. It was a government institution. It was a research center out in Vumbwe. Amazing place. I miss that place. But it was so cool because life was lived together. Like, you could just go when 
someone has showed up at your house and you don't have sugar, you just needed to go to your neighbor and ask for sugar. Come back. And I remember some of you know that. And some of you, you have to an extent still those kind of connections. But there was value for community. There was value for relationships. There was value for mom, dad, and uncle. There was value for life. There was value. But for some of you, you remember a time. When what mattered was your family, where you came from. Do you remember that? So you would introduce yourself like in Bible times. I'm a son of who and who. I'm a daughter of who and who. And there's so much stuff that that was so toxic through. But as time kept going, we moved from our movies, from our songs, from our literature, novels, from living life together to an idea of romance that is apart from anyone else. And to a level that was amazing. To a level that was great. To a level that was like, man, we needed to have been there. But over time, it was about a handsome dude and that pretty girl running from school and the headmaster doesn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't get it. Right? Like, some of you were there. He didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, you were so passionate and so much in love, and you were so much on fire. No one got it. You had so much fire, no one really cared. Actually, the systems were against your love. Do you remember that? Come on, don't look at me like you don't remember. You remember. So, when we read that, when we hear those kind of stories, the defiance in that story made us admire that. So love continuously started being less and less of accountability and authority and more and more about what you wanted, what I felt, what I desired. To the point that over time, we celebrated people that just break through and walked away from everyone because they were so much in love and they just moved somewhere to just be in love, just two of them. And the phrase came up, and the phrase was simply, I'm only acting in the name of love. So anyone that would stand against anyone acting in the name of love was demonic was someone who was against what was beautiful. So even when you know that that place was toxic, that thing was going to destroy these kids and they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. They were acting in the name of love, so they went ahead. And actually, some of the things you have been bent out of, even when people say, dude, that, that's not good for you. Do you remember what you said? Man, I just love, I just love her. Man, I just can't, I just can't keep my fingers and hands out. Like, I, I don't want to get into details. But you know what I mean. That somehow you believed that what you felt, what you needed in that moment was the utmost, most important thing that has ever been there. So rules were thrown out. Rules, boundaries, community. We're crucified at the altar of this is what I want and this is what I'm going to get. Now, as I'm explaining, I know this sounds like a little bit boring, but I want you to start thinking a little bit. Like, how are you loving the people in your life? Because the importance of this conversation is not just now. The single you will be the married you. The only thing I will change is a ring. And I change my rings. I have black, I have whatever colors I like. The only thing will be a paper. 
But if you don't get to understand that those vows were not simply a thing that God was inviting you to say for the moment and because that's how you felt, you'd realize that those vows that people say are a commitment to the future. But because we're so individualistic, we don't even want that. So if you're in a place where you're like, you're dating, you're loving someone, and every time the idea of love shows up and marriage shows up, you're like, man, I don't want to, that paper will mess things up. I just want us to just stay together, love each other, and keep going. I want you to start thinking, are you saying that because you actually love the person or the person feeds your ego because you feel wanted and you there's someone who wants you and someone who loves you and someone who can meet a specific need in that moment. So you do whatever it takes to make sure that that someone stays in your life. But because we are afraid, because we want control, because we know life can be chaotic, we don't want commitment because commitment means we have to stay for better or for worse. Because commitment will quench the love. Because commitment commitment will require you to close off future options. And you're not sure if the person you have right now is a person that's enough. What if an upgrade shows up later? Come on now. So we sit in our individualistic tendencies, that culture, that movies, that music, that life has allowed. That as far as this is what I want, this is what I'm going to get. Who I am, what I want, what I feel is the most important thing. I don't care what anyone else feels. I don't care what everyone else Want. I don't care how other people will feel. They're haters. I don't, my parents are old. They don't know what life is. And, and we've gotten to be people that are saying we are in love, but that love is not accountable, is not committed. It's just a feeling that is moving us from one person to another. Now, that individualism leads us to being consumers. This is where I'm going to sit a little bit more. Ski Jethan uh, wrote us something on consumerism uh, in the leadership journal, and this is what he said. We find ourselves in a culture that defines our relationships and actions primarily through a matrix of consumption. As a Philosopher explains, consumption is a system of meaning. We assign value to ourselves and others based on the goods we purchase, right? One's identity is now constructed by the clothes you wear, the vehicle you drive, the music. Okay, no longer iPod, but whatever you are listening to. Uh, in short, you are what you consume. A lot of us, that rings true, right? That the way we're pursuing the relationships we have right now is from a place of uh, this person that I find is going to define me and is going to give me meaning. He's going to be the only one. So I'm not going to work on who I'm supposed to be. I'm just going to find this perfect person who will be all that I want to be. Hallelujah. One's identity is now constructed by the clothes you wear. The phone you own the vehicle you drive. I love how make pushes their cars. It makes you feel like if unless you're driving a Mercedes, you're missing out on life. But when you start thinking about life, you notice the way we treat relationships is the way we treat stuff at ShopRite. At game. We're just consumers. So as a consumer, you go out and find something 
that fits your price. You have a value system. As a person, I can find this in Chipiku, but I'm going to buy it at Sevas. You know what I mean. You know, Sevas just, you know. I can find the same thing for cheaper somewhere, but I'm going to find it here. So we go around doing the same thing with relationships. We are consumers. And, and I know some of us, we might be like, you know what? What does that mean? No. All I'm saying is, when you insist life to be about your way, you make your life and the relationships you build all about consuming. You consume people. You consume those relationships. And this is what happens. When we consume, we dehumanize. We dehumanize. People are commodities. We keep them if they satisfy my needs. That's the only way you keep people. If they're satisfying my needs, this is what I need. Remember individualism? This is what I want. This is who I am. This is how I feel. If you don't meet that, you don't belong in my life. So that person gets married, and guess what happens in that marriage? You are here to meet my needs. If you don't meet my needs, I have a list, then I'm going to leave you and go and find someone else. And they go find someone else, they do the same thing, and then you go like, man, why are you just doing that to people? Because we have dehumanized people. They're a commodity that we go and shop for based on our cash and how we feel and what we want. When we consume, we operate from a place of adjust to me or I'm out of here. So I want you to start thinking about the relationships you've walked away from. Some of them were actual good people. You actually regret right now that they were good people. But you were at a place where you are so abusive, you just wanted them to adjust to you. Because your needs are more important to you than the relationship. And a lot of us, that's how we treat our parents. You don't know how life is like and how complex life is. Unless you adjust to who we are, we're just going to call you for the money we need and the bills you need to pay, but we don't want a relationship with you. And a lot of us, we're in that place. And actually, the anger we carry towards our parents is something we inherited from our friends who don't like their parents. So we just took how they looked at their parents when we actually had an actual relationship with them and just took that and put it on our parents and started seeing those things. And just went like, ah, I just don't like my parents. Because maybe sometimes we were trying to fit in that other people grew up in hard families. And we're like, yeah, mine were hard too. They would give me half the money I asked for. But they gave you money. They'd give me all these other things that I didn't ask for. Oh, but they gave you that. When we consume, we say, adjust to me or I'm out of here. Now, if you are dating and you are here, I want you to be careful. If you are looking for someone, and this is how you think, I want you to adjust. <laughs> I want you to adjust. Maybe, maybe there's more to this love thing than the individualism that has shaped how you look at love. So when we consume, we dehumanize. And this is my favorite. I just had to throw this one in. We believe God loves us because we are good. When we consume, our relationship with God is based on how good we are. So we approach God in a way because we are good. We've done good. God, so meet my needs. Jesus, have you seen how awesome I've been this week? Have you, did you just watch how awesome and kind I was to that person? Did, did you notice that I did not lose my temper, therefore you owe me? Therefore, I've been so good, I've never slept around. God, therefore, you owe me a good person. Come on. Therefore, God, you are supposed to give me this amazing human that doesn't exist. That Jesus looks at that list and is like, yo, bruh, this is something else. You're sure you still want to be on earth? You want to quickly come to heaven? We believe God 
God loves us because we're good. And this is a danger of faith. The Bible clearly says you were saved by grace. But somehow, because you're a consumer, you, you, you believe, yes, that is true, but you are also awesome in some ways. You, you, you're kind of amazing in some ways. So, so God should be glad he's got you. God should be so happy in heaven that you can do the stuff you are able to do. We believe God loves us because we are good. No, man. God loves you because Jesus died for you. For God so loved the world that he expressed and showed his love by sending his son. Not because you are good but because you are complicated, you could not save yourself, you are far away from God, you are so deeply rooted in sin that the only way for God to love you was to send his perfect son to die for you so that you could put your faith in that son, not in your own works. To the point the Bible completely says, your works are garbage. The things you do are complicated and toxic and painful. Even in your best moments, you can trace a level of pride in it. But he says, no, 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 God does not love you because you're good. You're so loved because of Jesus. Therefore, when you fail, you're still so loved because of Jesus. When you can't walk, when you can figure out life in a generation that wants you to have everything figured out, you can still believe in God because of Jesus, not because of you. Not because of you. And, and a lot of us, we put so much pressure on ourselves. We are walking around and trying things, and God is like, my son came completely to die for you because you could not do that. Because you could not save yourself. But like, God, I'm still going to try because I think it's so cool, so I'm going to give my time to the church. I'm going to give my time to, to a lot of people. I'm going to do this, this, and God is like, no, 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 no. You're not accepted because you're good. You're accepted because my son died for you. Because Jesus died for you. And if you are here, you're like, okay, I don't know about this Jesus thing, but this is, this is straight to the point. God made everything and it was good. But somehow, men, the first man, Adam, sinned, decided that he wanted to be God. So he chose other things than God. And sin crept into the world. And David says, I was born in sin. When you read Psalms. That we did not need to teach you how to lie, how to be jealousy, how to be angry at people. You were born in that. But in that process, God started writing a story that we would come back to God through Jesus. So even when Adam had sinned and blamed the woman, which is the stuff men are still doing up to today. God made a promise that the woman is going to have a child who's going to crush the head of a serpent. And right there, in the beginning, in that moment, God prophesies about Jesus. That Jesus will show up and crush the head of the serpent. And a few years, or a lot of years later, <laughs> Jesus shows up. Who the Bible says, in who being God did not take that equality with God something to bully us with, something to say, I don't have to die. But he went to the cross. He went to die. Even death on the cross because dying on a tree, come on, huh? dying on a tree meant you were cursed. But remember where all these curses came from. It was from a tree in the garden. That Jesus went to the cross to remove the curse that our sin brought. So that when we are in Jesus, we're free. For whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. That's the gospel. That you could not have saved yourself but God sent his son and his love. God did not wait to save you because you were good. He saved you because you couldn't save yourself. He showed up because you could not in your way to God. 
So any other conversation that makes you want to end your way to God is not from God. Paul calls it a different gospel. It's grace. And you know the cool part? Even your obeying God is grace. Even your believing in God, that's his grace. For faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? God's word. <laughs> it's the power of God. The spirit of God ignited the word of God in your heart. Sparked it. So that you came alive to scripture. Because scripture was already alive. So you got saved because of what Jesus did. So we believe God loves us when we consume the things of God. When we want to make church about how we can consume the things God will give us. When we consume, we pretend. And this is a hard one for a lot of us. A lot of us are so afraid to be authentic. So no matter how hard we hammer the truth that come as you are, it just feels like a cool tagline, but not a truth. You know what I mean? Just like, man, and I like that you guys want me to come as I am, but you don't know who I am. And do you know what happens? That goes to relationships. Because all your relationships are about performance. You want people to like you. You are afraid for people to truly know who you are. So even you get married as a people who's based on performance, as a person who is simply just pretending you don't want to be seen as 40. That is exhausting. That is draining. And a lot of us are drained because we think everyone wants us to perform stuff. We feel like people are expecting us to perform a cinema. We feel like people just want stuff from us, so we are there. But, but maybe we're there because relationships to us are stuff we consume. So as we shop around other people, we think other people are walking around, shopping around for people like us. So, so we put out our best performance. So we're not real. Man, a lot of people get married like that. So they have insecurities that their spouses don't know about. They have insecurities and anxieties that their biggest, most deep friends don't know about. Because in your head, you got to perform. You got to bring out your best. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. This idea of bringing out your best is not from God. God's invitation is for you to come the way you are and Jesus will change you. And as Jesus is changing you, it's going to be complicated and hard a lot of times. You're going to fail. You're going to have Peter moments where he denies Jesus, but Jesus restores him back. Where then he's eating uh, with Jews and Gentiles and other people show up and he runs away and abandons them. And they're like, dude, you are the apostle. Why are you being this racist? You, you're going to have moments where you're going to fail. But this life of trying to measure up to standards that I don't know who created them has exhausted a lot of you. It's killing a lot of you. A lot of you don't have joy simply because you feel like you are being watched every time to act a certain way, to talk a certain way, to have your game straight. So you are walking around and trying to not say something wrong because you think like people are checklisting you. People are thinking you are, you are a certain way. And you're so exhausted. And that exhaustion, you take it into your deep relationships. And there's no connection. Why? Because everyone is pretending. So you even pretend there's a connection. So to keep that connection, you cross different boundaries because you have to find something that gives you the connection. Are you following me? So by the end of the day, we are people that we are afraid if our partner, our girlfriend, our boyfriend knew about that deep fear and that anxiety, they'll probably leave us. So we create dreams that we don't even believe in because on the market, on the market, you have to have dreams. If someone is going to like you, you have to be chasing dreams. Because you are a commodity. You are on the market. Because you're on the market, you're a commodity. So you have to have dreams. You have to have plans. You have to have something that is working. Because if you don't have that, then no one will like you. So a lot of us, our anxieties are literally from that. If people will only know <laughs> what I struggle with. What am I afraid of? 
What's coming? If, if people would only know how much I have failed, they would not like me. So we put on a game. So you guys are looking amazing. If we were to strip off this amazing awesomeness in this room and some real deep melanin that I'm seeing as well, you know what I mean? What would we find at the core of who you are? Would we find someone who is so afraid and so anxious and you're so afraid that I'm even bringing this up? Or will we find someone who is so real? Your trust in God does not make you afraid of what people think of you or what people want from you. What would we find? If we were to pause for a minute and just say, tell us your deepest fear. Would you think like the world has opened and is eating you? Or you'd feel like you are safe before friends that are learning and struggling towards the cross together with you. Are, are you understanding me? Because a lot of us, we withdraw from community because we feel like we can't pretend anymore. You know what I mean? I just, I just can't. I just can't. So I'm going to be alone because life is so hard. I'm going to be alone for a minute. No. If life is hard, we are here. Because you don't know my story. My story is hard. I'm loving God. I'm learning what that looks like. And I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God to help me be a loving husband, a loving son, and a very complicated brother. Very complicated brother. All I'm saying is, when relationships to us are a commodity, we consume them. And when we are consuming, we pretend. We keep people only when they meet our needs. Now, when you come to the Bible, love is about what you're given, what you're willing to give, what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to spend. But the way we have built love is what is that going to benefit me? So this whole conversation is really complicated for a lot of us. We're like, yeah, I hear you, but what, what would that benefit me? No, 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 no then you're just an individualistic, consumeristic human who will not enjoy people and enjoy relationships because all you see in people is what fix they will meet in your heart, what fix they will be in your life, what fix they will be in your career, what fix they will be in your relationships, in your businesses. You are not seeing people. You are seeing needs being met by random people. And when they cannot, you're not ready to love, to sacrifice, to stay. When we consume, we don't work on who we are. Come on. We spend time finding a right person. Yeah. There's this mythology. I don't know if you've heard it. I believe you believe it. That a few, a million years ago, your soul separated and that soul wanders across the world up until it meets the right person and when your soul meets the right person you just know you don't even need an explanation you just know this is my right person I've been looking for you where have you been my love where I found you so your soul will never get rest up until your soul meets this other half that was taken away from you. So that's how a lot of you look at love. That your heart, your life, is just so busy looking for that person. You don't care how rude you are. You don't care how careless with money you are. You don't care how you talk to your parents, how do you talk to your friends. You don't care how you need to step up and grow up. You don't care. As long as you find the right person, they'll be right. You don't need to step up. You don't need to be patient. They'll be the patient one. You don't need to be kind. They'll be the kind one. You don't need to save your money. They will know how to budget, how to save, how to invest. Do all these other things. As far as you find the right person whose soul is wandering across the world. And when you meet them, pow. Oh, how sexy and awesome it is. How amazing and juicy and oh, hallelujah. It's a myth. It's a myth. It is a myth. 
And the reason why that is important for me to say is because a lot of us in here have walked away from good, genuine people. Not because they were not right, but we just didn't want to step up, so they felt like they were not right. <laughs> they felt like they were not right. Because if they were right, you just have enough patience that that And I would not need to work hard. I would not need to trust God to change my life. I would not need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help me. It would just be like, boom. That word, oh, that fits great. Now, if you talk to any of our married people in here, they'll tell you. That is a really deep myth that they wish they didn't believe in. Marriage is work, but it's work with your favorite person. You're amazing human. And we're going to talk about that a little bit next week. I'm just sitting on the, you're about to date, or you're dating, or you broke up, or whatever it is. That's, we're going to sit in there a little bit. Because us, these guys, man, they thought, these married friends, they thought that if they just met the right person, boom, they're in heaven. And Jesus doesn't even need to come because they're already there. They're like amazing. It's working. It's great. Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm not saying these guys are not enjoying marriages. They are. But that idea of boom, they'll not need to wake up and step up and serve and learn and grow. They realize that marriage is a picture of the gospel. It's a mirror God has given you to remind you that you need God's grace every day. That you need his help. You need patience. You need kindness. You need to learn what forgiveness is and how to forgive other people. They'll tell you that. But the movies won't tell you that. The books won't tell you that. Oh my God, the songs, eh? They won't tell you that. They will not. They will not because the songs sell only when they're individualistic. Because I tell you, I don't know if anyone in here has a song that I'm going to love you as Christ and, and I'm going to die for you and then I'm going to give up everything. <laughs> I think the songs you guys have is like, yeah, I just want to leave the world and go to the moon with you and just fly and just be away from everyone who's boring, who's angry, and we just eat a lot of other things and each other and bus, we're back. Oh, yeah, this is rated 18. I hope we're fine, right? <laughs> okay, I love you. I said that at the beginning that I love you guys. All I'm saying is we don't work on who we are because the other person we're looking for will be exactly who we want to be and they will meet exactly what we need to be. So we consume. When we consume, we cut out Anything or anyone that requires more commitment and love. Hello. And a lot of us have cut out good people. Because we are work and they were a kind of work. When we consume, we cut out anything or anyone that requires more commitment and love. But I want to also push in to anyone who is cohabiting, hallelujah. Come on, stay with me. I love you. <laughs> stay with me. Are you not committing to marriage yet because you're trying to keep your options open? I'll just leave it there. When we consume, we're anxious when things are not working. We carry a deep level of anxiety. So we do not enjoy people. We're the generation that when something doesn't work, we go for an upgrade or we throw it. We know our parents fixed stuff. We saw our dads working on plumbing in the house. They're like, dude, where, where did you learn that? No, I'll just figure it out. Because that's what life is. You figure out yourself. 
you figure out other people. You're learning. Everyone is learning. There's no expert at this human thing. We might know enough. We might be learning enough. We might be growing enough. But I'm still yet to meet a human that says I have arrived. This is a maximum level. This is a top 2.0. This is a final upgrade. There's no other vision after this. At learning. Life is about learning. But when we consume, we are anxious. Every time something is going a little bit hard, our thoughts, a lot of us, are, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to break up with you. I'm going to, I'm going to. Because we are not ready or we're not sure if this version doesn't have some factory fault. Bruh, humans are sinful, complicated. When you show them grace and love, God grants them grace to learn, to grow, and become people that are relying on God and learning what it means to do life. That's it. But if, if you have all these unrealistic standards, you're not going to find those humans. <laughs> when we consume, God's gifts becomes how we identify ourselves. Not who God is. Let me explain that. A lot of us only think we are blessed because God has given us stuff. Because we prayed for a car, we prayed for a job, and God gave us. That means God loves us. Mm -mm. Where do you find that? That is not in Scripture. That is not in Scripture. That God will make you blessed because he will give you stuff or when he gives you stuff. That's when you know you're blessed. No. When you read the Bible, he says you're a new creation because of Jesus. You are blessed because of Jesus. You are loved because of Jesus. You are perfect. The Bible says that. Because of Jesus. All these things because of Jesus. Not because you have stuff. But when we are consumers, we create a church that looks blessed because we have stuff. We get money. We can afford the rent. We can do all these other activities. We can go everywhere where we want to go. We can be a people that enjoy life, have fun, and do all this amazing stuff because we are blessed. No, you are blessed because you are washed in the blood of Jesus. You are blessed because you are a new creation in Jesus. You are blessed because Jesus has given you a new heart. And removed the heart of stone. That's, that's your blessing. All this other stuff is stuff that God one day can say, give that all to me. And for some of us, God has nudged our hearts to give stuff, to give more money. Hello? But because our identity is in having stuff, we don't want to give it. And I'm not even preaching uh, prosperity right now. I'm just preaching Jesus. That Jesus doesn't want to compete with your stuff. So sometimes he removes our stuff and we believe God doesn't love us because he's removed our stuff. And it's like you were not even focusing on my heart because your heart was simply about stuff. Like, yeah, I know, but I still need stuff to know that I am loved by you. Like, no, you need to look at the cross to know that you are loved by me, not at the stuff that we've made life about. That's it. That's it. And, and, and we still get so caught up. We still get so caught up in identifying who we are with stuff. The only people that do that are consumers. That you feel you are something else when you upgrade from an iTel to an iPhone. Come on. You don't care what it is. It might still be five and not even think it's working. The phone doesn't even know it's working. You're like, yeah, I've arrived. He's like, look at me. Look at me. Everyone, just look right now. Hallelujah. God is so good. He's given me an iPhone now. <laughs> Man, God is so good. He saved you from your own sins. God is so good. He saved you from destroying your life. God is so good. He's protected you from taking your own life. God is so good. He's given you life to show up to this church today. God is so good. He is so kind. And his mercies are new every morning that you are able to do life because of who he is, not the stuff you have. I'm not saying God is not going to give you stuff. Or like You've heard me say, I want you guys to really have money. 
so that we preach the gospel, we plant more churches, we help the poor. And if you don't know, Flood, we love doing those kind of stuff. We do stuff, we don't take our cameras all the time. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of stuff that we do as a church. If you want to know more, talk to some of our leaders. But we're giving, uh, we're sponsoring stuff, we're partnering with people, we're going to colleges, we're going to uh, orphanages, we're doing all this other stuff. To remind ourselves that our identity is not in the stuff, but it's in the God who's given us the stuff. But when we consume, God's gifts becomes how we identify who we are. We do not commit because we keep our options open. We are not content because we are always looking for something better. And that leads to us not having peace and satisfaction. Because you're not sure if the phone you bought is the right phone. You're not sure if the car you bought is the right car. You're not sure if the house you have is the house that fits you perfectly. You're not sure if what you have is exactly what you need. So we walk around with people that think we love them with everything, but we're not satisfied because we're just not sure if this is the right version of what we need to have. If this is a, is there a better thing that's going to show up that I should not commit and enjoy this? When the Bible speaks of love, It measures it primarily not by how much you want to receive. Can we go to the next slide, please? Keep going. When the Bible speaks of love, it measures it primarily not by how much you want to receive, but by how much you are willing to give. How much you are willing to lose for the sake of this person how much of your freedom you are willing to forsake, how much of your precious time, emotion, and resources you are willing to invest in a person. But culturally, our individualism and our consumeristic tendencies say, no, what do I need? What do I feel? What do I want? I'm going to find a person who is that. But the Bible says, no, no, no. how much are you willing to lose for the sake of this person? Husbands, you see what Christ did? Yeah. He went to the cross yeah, he took the blame for his bride. No, no, on that we can't agree, but just go to the end. He died. Like, that's, that's extreme. I don't, no, nah, I don't need to do that. Because that's the love God calls you. And I don't know what love you're carrying right now. What kind of love you have learned and fabricated and made no more. But unless God defines that love, that love will exhaust you, and that love will never be enough. So just to reread this passage, Paul says to our consumeristic tendencies, our heart that is so deeply rooted in consumerism, and he says, this is what love is. Love endures, and love is humble. What? Yeah, that's what love is. Love endures, and love is humble. It's like, no, like you want me to keep the same version forever? Like no upgrade? Like no, the only better upgrade is the Holy Spirit, son. Come on now. They have the Holy Spirit. They're being renewed every day. That's a better version every day. You know, when you are, Marriage will teach you that you go through different marriages. Let me explain that. Love endures. Love is humble. The dude I was the day we got married is not the same dude I am today. I've changed. My wife has to learn loving this dude today, now. And I'll be a different dude in five years. I might be more kind, but maybe a little less sparkly, but life is trusting God to give you the grace 
to learn each other and grow. But when you are a consumer, you don't have to commit to anything for any moment because a better version will show up that you like better. And then you have another version you like better. And you have another person you like better. So you move from one place to the other, from one place to the other because relationships will always change. And this is because of that satisfaction, because of that consumer tendency that we've had as humans, pornography has flourished. Because porn always pushes for a better looking body. So you have a bunch of dudes looking for a girl they saw on TV, on their screen, on their phone, right? And then they realize that they, that girl doesn't exist. So they push their girlfriends, their actual friends, to look like the girls they're seeing online. Does that sound familiar to some of you? Like, I don't know. I don't, don't want to be this dude saying yes. That the reason why you haven't enjoyed the woman God gave you is because your eyes are enjoying actresses and actors because your heart is to something that is not real, something that is coached, something that is staged. And you don't know how to relate to the real thing. You don't know how to spark a conversation because all you have in your head is show up, have the action, go home. And you don't know how to engage. You don't know how to talk, how to build a relationship. And the thing with porn that a lot of us know, we have never been satisfied by it. Have you ever felt like, oh man, I've arrived. This is it. This is like the two. Mm, great. No, you have never. You've always wanted to go back and try a little bit more. And this is for men and women. This is for all of us. You want just a little bit more. I don't know how to know. Yes, I just planted a bad song in your head. May Jesus deliver you right now. All I'm saying is, when we are consumers, people are goods to be consumed. Women are women to be consumed, not to be loved. They are not humans to be celebrated and valued their commodities to be enjoyed. Come on. We look at men as that's a commodity I need to enjoy. We look at women, that's a commodity that I need to enjoy. But you come to the Bible and says, no, no, that's a person you need to value. That's a person you need to protect. That's a person you need to lay down your life for. Like, no, I just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. Come on. I just want to have fun. I just want to hang out. I just want to, no, no, no. If you're going to hang out, create healthy boundaries for you because I know I hit on men a little bit more my sisters your standards should be what Jesus invites you to yeah because sometimes it it just sometimes not all the times the reason why those boys just walk in is because there's no fence yeah they can walk in and walk out because there's no standard your standard is not other girls, not other women. It's Christ. Your value is not what he thinks. It's who Jesus says you are. It's not that boy. And these men are not growing up because we are letting them walk in and walk out. So if a boy can find a toy, he will make that woman a commodity. And then we sit here come to church for two hours and we want the pastor to fix the men. No, we can't. We cannot. We cannot. You guys have to make different choices. I know I'm sounding legalistic right now, but the Holy Spirit has given you the power to say no to sin. That's in the Bible. I'm not making that up. You have to choose God, his word, because he's given you his spirit and his spirit convicts you a lot of times, Ed. Like, hits you hard. And you're like, you're not, <laughs> not today, Satan. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's me, the Holy Spirit. I know, I just want to get this fix done. So all I'm saying is, the single you will be the married you. Would you tell that single you to really get married? If you were to be honest. I know I 
hit a little bit around that. But do you actually have actual good friendships that tell you the truth, that love you, and that protect you, that call out, call you out on your crap? Or you're just surrounded with people that you call accountable, but actually they're just people that agree with your sinning. They're not your accountability people. They're your agreeers in your sin. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Be the king of our heart. Be in our heart. Help us trust you. Help us know you. Help us love you. In Jesus' name, amen.